0: Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. as always I am your good friend and host Steve Robertson, here on the Maroon Friday edition of the yard hope things are well with you with you wherever you are today pardon me a little tongue-tied there isn't it great that we live in a country that we can celebrate Maroon Friday however we choose it is Friday I hope it's a payday for you for you weekly wage runners it probably should be and for those of us to get paid on the 1st and 15th is absolutely payday so hope that you guys are uh able to get out and go do some things i know there's not a lot to do recreationally these days at least not go to theaters or concerts or or anything like that and and listen it's been what about six weeks now i think that's right it's been about six weeks now and uh all of that entertainment stuff feels so far removed you know what i'm saying i mean it feels like forever since we've been to a ball game a movie a concert um it's uh, it's it's one of those things, you know. I remember we were in Nashville for the uh, SEC Publishers Two Four Seven Conference, and just kind of kind of going over you know, the recent year and looking ahead. And you know, we, it's an exciting time for our, our, our industry and our network, and we were doing exceptionally well, and we're still doing well at Gene's Page. Thanks to all of you. Uh, but we were there, and it was we were getting ready to play the SEC Men's Basketball Tournament, and those days. Some of us were kind of at odds. You know, we're thinking, you know what, we have to at least beat Florida to get into the NCAA tournament. Others thought we had to probably beat Kentucky and get to the final to get into the NCAA tournament. We all agreed we had not done enough to get into the NCAA tournament. We had not done enough. We needed to continue winning. I think the consensus opinion was we were probably bound for the NIT. And even in hindsight, most people had kind of – you know, it was kind of a foregone conclusion we were going to get beat Florida, which is uh, completely false. Even though we had beaten Florida in Gainesville, there was no guarantee we did slip right by Florida and play Kentucky. But I remember then thinking, you know, it was such a big week. It was going to be a big week for Ben Howland. I mean, the, 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 he could ill afford, of course, to lose that first ball game, and there's uh, already a fan support. And in many respects, Mississippi State fans were kind of apathetic about men's basketball. I think right now, all of us would be happy to have a NIT or a CBI game or anything to attend. It seems like forever since we saw Mississippi State play basketball. We were preparing, of course, for the women who were the runners-up in the SEC Women's Tournament. We were preparing for them to host the first two rounds of NCAA tournament. We were getting ready for that. Just waiting for the announcement and to find out who the teams were that we were going to host. And that's another one of those things too. we've kind of grown accustomed to. We've grown accustomed to hosting those first couple of rounds of the NCAA women's tournament. We felt, that, you know what, even in a transition year, we felt like we were good enough to win a couple of games and get to the Sweet 16. And then from there, who knows? It depends on matchups. I don't think any of us expected us to really go win a national championship, but I think we thought at the very least we'd hang another Sweet 16 banner in Humphrey Coliseum for the women. We had won a pair of games against Texas Tech in baseball, and, man, that feels like forever ago. And we were in Nashville. Mike Nemeth and I at dinner watching that game and watching the Bulldogs come through and sweep that series, that midweek series against Texas Tech. And we were so excited to host Arkansas that weekend. I was literally foaming at the mouth thinking, I cannot wait to get the Razorbacks down here. They were kind of they were struggling a little bit. I said, you know what? They're going to figure it out. But if we can win that series early in the year, it, it really bodes well for us long term because I really expected Florida and Georgia to give Vanderbilt a lot of trouble this year. I really thought we had a realistic chance of winning the SEC this year. And that Arkansas series win would have been huge for us, especially if we were able to get that sweep and get ahead early, because when Arkansas would figure it out and get some guys healthy, they'd kind of run some interference for us and beat up the rest of the West for us. All of that seems like forever ago. I remember the last concert I went to, I went and saw Lynch Mob and they there at the joint at the Hard Rock Casino and Resort in Biloxi, Mississippi. Had a great time. Ate the buffet. Feel good about life. And then everything in our world has changed since then. It's like so many of the things that bring us joy have been taken from us. And so I say that to suggest that uh, I have had, you know, I guess some, sort of an awakening, I guess. You know, there'd be a lot of times something would come up and I would say, ah, I don't want to do that. Ah, I just want to stay home. And it's not that I don't make use of my time at home, but um, I certainly miss being able to get out and socialize. And I certainly miss being able to get out of the house and be somewhat entertained. I miss being able to go to the movies and uh, hearing that great sound system and watching things on the big screen. I've got a projector at home. so movie night at my house. is a little bit better than than it has been at other points in my life. But uh, there's something about watching some movies in the theater. I miss that. And I know you do, too. But I am hopeful that uh, some big things happen in the coming weeks that uh, will allow us to return to a sense of normalcy in some respects but with a new appreciation of many of these things that we hold dear. I'm going to get into more of that later in the show. Before I do, let's thank our good friends at Bulldog Burger Company, longtime sponsors of the show, people that are invested in your community, part of a great family of restaurants here in the Golden Triangle. Bulldog Burger Company, great restaurant quality hamburgers is what they do. There are many delicacies in life that you enjoy, none greater than the great restaurant quality hamburger. It's exactly what you're going to get at Bulldog Burger Company with two locations to serve you right here on University Drive in Stark, Vegas and on Gloucester Street in Tupelo. And don't forget that great family special 4 Bulldogs. That's the signature burger 4 Bulldogs, four orders of fries and a gallon of sweet tea for $29.95. You can't beat it. What a great, great special. Go get it yourself. We've enjoyed Bulldog Burger Company this week. Matter of fact, I got the uh, I got the BLT salad with grilled chicken. That's what I did. You'll do something similar. Enjoy yourself. Bulldog Burger Company, the place in Starkville and now Tupelo, where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. You may have seen by now, former Mississippi State quarterback, Keaton Thompson, headed to University of Virginia. Very happy for him. Happy that he got a Power 5 opportunity. Virginia's a good program. Bronco Mendenhall, a good coach. They'll find a way to utilize him. Wish him the absolute best. He will go as a grad transfer. We'll finish up his degree. Should be Today should be graduation day, around this time. I don't know exactly when the commencement was, but I know that uh, finals are over. Grades have been posted. And uh, Keaton has fulfilled his degree progress requirements and uh, is now a Mississippi State alum. Happy to have you, Keton. Let's send you a Bulldog Club membership application. But I wish him the best. I really do. Keaton's a great guy. It didn't work out here. No fault of his own. Just part of the deal. Interesting, too, news coming out from the NCAA about the one-time transfer rule. We have talked about that extensively on the show. I've shared with you the things that I like about the proposal, things I don't like about it. And uh, where we are today is it appears that uh, there's not going to be a change right now. Here is one statement from the NCAA official statement that was released. The board recommended to the council that changes to the waiver process as suggested by the working group are not appropriate at this time. Board members recommended the waiver process be sensitive to student athlete well being, especially those impacted by COVID 19 in the interim period. So, what does that mean, Steve? What that means is the five sports that require a sit out year, and the way they, the the legal terminology within the NCAA legislation is they have a one year residency requirement uh, for football, men's basketball, women's basketball, baseball, and hockey that uh, you have to sit out one year if you transfer. You know, softball and many other sports, you're immediately eligible. And so what they're saying is that that residency requirement will remain in place for now and that the waiver process shall continue. One of the things the NCAA was looking to do was kind of get out of the waiver business. They were going to basically kind of put the onus on all that on the schools themselves. If the schools could come to an agreement, then they were going to stand in the way of that. But uh, it appears now that the NCAA not ready to accept those changes. Uh, one, as I mentioned to you guys on a Wednesday show, to me this makes that name, image, and likeness thing a little easier to deal with because it makes it more difficult for people to kind of poach other teams' rosters. And I still think there, and that's one thing to this name, image, and likeness thing. There's so many people that have misreported things about this already. There has not been a ruling. There has been a recommendation. There have been some things from the working group that have been passed up to the council. There have been things that have been discussed with Congress. There have been things, laws that have been passed in states that are expected to go into, uh, into action in the next calendar year. But there haven't been any hard decisions made about compensating athletes yet. And there are a lot of people that have a wide range of opinions and uh, I don't have all of the you know the facts kind of figured out here. That is a very very complex document, and sometimes we all kind of depend on other people to interpret it for us. But there is going to be a lot of change in what has been proposed between now and the time that this thing goes uh, into effect. It could be years. A lot of people are thinking, oh, but it's going to happen in January. No. No, and there's going to be federal oversight here, so you don't have California and Alaska and Montana having one law and Mississippi and Louisiana having others. There's going to be federal oversight over this to protect everybody involved. But this transfer, to eliminate the one-time transfer option, is rather interesting. Just because of the fact, I think it prevents some of the things we talked about on Wednesday, whereas let's say Alabama... Uh, would have gone after DeAndre Brown. You know, DeAndre Brown, of course, it's a guy that, uh, you know, got in this other miss, had a big career there until he got hurt. But let's say after two years, they're able to say, hey, listen, we see this kid's down there killing it, and, uh, you know, he's where he needs to be academically. Let's go get him. Well, now you kind of removed that possibility by not allowing the one-time transfer. And so uh, I really thought that had a better chance to pass quickly more so than the name, image, and likeness thing. And, again, as I've said many times, i got no problem, you know, a kid making a little money off uh, his jersey being sold because he is the one marketing that jersey every ball game on the court in the hardwoods or diamonds of, of college sport. If you're going to use that player's notoriety and accomplishments to, uh, to generate profit, they, he or she deserves to, uh, you to partake in some of that. I think that's only fair. I think the bigger concern with all this is the introduction of boosters and third parties and people of that nature. that really have no business interacting with uh, with college athletes. But for now, the one-time transfer is uh, is behind us, and so we'll see what happens. Nothing's going to happen. You know, there's going to be some, you know, the, there's going to be some May meetings and that sort of stuff, and there'll be some tweaks and image, and likeness. But you know, if you read some of these statements coming off Capitol Hill, there are a lot of people in the federal government. that are thinking, you know what? we have got to get a solution made sooner rather than later to ensure that there is a, a uniform you know, policy and protocol about all this stuff. And so that'll happen and, uh, and it'll be a great thing, but it's got to be handled the right way. I'm not going to rehash everything we talk about on Wednesday show, but uh, things happen quickly. You know, it's, it's amazing. We discuss some things, you know, one week and then the next week there's changes or the NCAA changes uh, the language of certain rules or they, i like to take some proposals off the table, but again, there is no name, image, or likeness legislation that has been passed or approved that is about to go in, so nothing's going to happen with your fall football players at this point. I think it's too soon anyway. I think at the earliest it will be 2021. I think the earliest is fall of 2021. I don't think you start anything in the spring. I think you do it based on the academic calendar. And then this thing is going to take forever to get settled. There's just too many spoons in the pot. You know what I'm saying? It's going to take forever to get it done. But eventually they'll get a deal done. You know, since we have been together, Mississippi State has picked up a couple recruits, picked a couple of in-state commitments. I want to go over some of that with you now for those of you that uh, maybe are not hard, hardened recruitniks. You know what I'm saying? There's some people that live and die that come to, come to my chat sessions four days a week, and they read the biscuits from Paul and the bones from me. And and uh, I, I would submit to you that the Mississippi State Recruit Nick is probably among the most educated about the process and about players than anybody in the Southeastern Conference. The folks at Alabama do a great job. There's some other people that do a good job, but I, I submit there are some other fans out there that um, – likely get surprised by stuff and what i mean by that is is you know somebody will commit and uh they're like well wait a minute i thought we were getting that kid you told me this kid was coming here now listen recruiting things change a lot there's always a lot of moving parts but i don't i think our folks at jeans page I, I think you know we've got some regulars over there they kind of live and die by recruiting i think they love recruiting more than they love the actual sports but um there are a lot of people that, you know, it, it is a, there is a continuing conversation about recruiting. And uh, I, th- I really think our people are very well educated and do a good job of kind of keeping up with things. Latest developments, I mean, you know, we, we always discuss, hey, well, this kid tweeted out today that he's taking a visit here or he got a new offer there. What does that mean? And so you can be involved in that discussion by joining us over at jeanspage.com, the Mississippi State affiliate for 247 Sports. So let's get into who we got. How about that? So Makele Pounders is the top-rated offensive line prospect in the state of Mississippi for the 2021 signing class. He committed to Mississippi State on Wednesday. The timing of his decision, a little bit of a surprise. The result of his decision, not a surprise at all. Currently ranked the number 14 player in the state of Mississippi, in the 247 Sports Composite, the highest rated offensive lineman, and he picks Mississippi State over several offers. Let's run through some of these. Let's hit the highlights. He commits the state offers from Arkansas, ULL, LSU, Memphis, Ole Miss, South Alabama, Central Florida. Uh, he had an offer from Florida State, and I see that somebody has removed that offer. It's funny how that works. It's really funny to me how that works is that uh, – you know, all of a sudden the kid commits somewhere and we want to go alter the profile page. Oh, well, we didn't really lose that kid. Well, you know, you didn't have any problem when the kid claimed he had an offer, but now that he's not coming to your school, then all of a sudden you've got an issue with that. But no, he had an offer for Florida State too. So so he commits to State, uh, 6'6", 280-pound offensive tackle, real kind of raw in his development, but you can tell he is a guy that is kind of playing as a man among boys, and sometimes – you know, those smaller, kid, those smaller players give him a little bit of trouble because he doesn't just fire off the line. You know what I'm saying? You know, because there's a quicker kid across from him, so he's got to be a little more measured in his steps. Uh, but I like him. And, again, he's a guy that's under development. And I think with this, with the way that Mike Leach and, and Mason Miller, you know, they have these pass sets. We're going to pass protect more than anybody in the country. That's what Pounders does well. I mean, a name like Pounders, arguably. I mean, he's born to be an offensive lineman. But he's not that road grader, run blocker that maybe, you know, a guy like Gabe Jackson was. You know, Pounders is one of those guys, you know, I, I, honestly, I think he's more athletic than Blaine Clausell was. You know, I, mean, I really think that uh, – I'll give you a good comparison for those of you that have been around for 24 hours. He kind of compared – to me, he's kind of a poor man, Sean Coleman. You remember Sean Coleman that played at Olive Branch? That's who he kind of reminds me of. Long-limbed, athletic, you know, a guy that needs to put on a little bit of mass and probably get a little bit meaner, you know. Uh, That's kind of who he reminds me of. And, of course, Sean, you know, had some difficulties health-wise, came back, had a great career at Auburn, went to the NFL. Uh, I think Pounders is kind of in that same vein. He is a long-limbed offensive tackle prospect that you're going to be able to add some mass to the right way. There's a lot of offensive linemen, that they show up to camp overweight and they put on bad weight in high school because that's, that's the answer. You know, it's like, Oh, we, well I got to get up to 300 pounds and they eat their way up to 300 rather than gain up there positive, but you know, working a great strength and conditioning program and having a nutrition plan. They just kind of eat their way into that next weight class. Well, that's not the case with pounders. If you see him, he carries his weight well. And so when he gets here, Rather than having to kind of break him down and build him back up, we'll be able to kind of go to work putting good weight on his frame. And I think that will enable him to play a little bit earlier in his career. I like the pick. I think that he is a guy that will come in and help Mississippi State. I also like the fact this is a big early in-state win between State and Ole Miss. Very good early in-state win. Uh, Really like Pounders. Go check him out. We got his video up on his page. You can go watch that for free yesterday we pick up Corey Ellington now Corey Ellington you guys may not remember this but Corey Ellington showed up last year at the uh, SummerSlam cookout you know Mississippi State had uh, you know all the commitments and some of the priority targets you know come with Jim come to town for Joe morehead to get together and uh yeah you know, they had barbecue for the you know, for the players and and uh, just had a good time You know, it was that first weekend after the uh, summer dead period. And you bring the guys in, you make them feel like uh, they're, you know, a million bucks. Well, Corey Ellington was in that group, and uh, I think that is very significant. There weren't many underclassmen at that event. There were some, but there weren't a lot. Corey Ellington was one of those juniors who attended, and he showed up with Malik Heath. You guys know Malik Heath current Mississippi state bulldog, Malik Heath. Uh, and so came hung out, had a good day. Corey Ellington also scored 15 touchdowns last year as a wide receiver and had seven interceptions as a defensive back, according to, uh, his head coach there, uh, Marcus Rogers there at Holmes County central. So you say, well, Steve, you know, could we get him as a wide receiver? Yeah, we could, but, uh, they tell me he could play either side of the football, but really has more of a defensive player's mentality. He likes to hit. He's a guy that can elevate high points of football well. And uh, we got to get some safeties in this class. Really like what I've seen of Corey Ellington. You can see his film. He is one of those guys, too, that looks like a college player in high school. Eager to see what he does this year. I'm told that, you know, even though he had several offers, let's run down some of those. Let's hit the high points there. Uh... Has nine offers, I guess. Uh, the biggest among those, Arkansas, Indiana. You know, he had some other ones. He kind of reached with Louisiana Tech, Memphis, Southern Miss. A lot of G5 stuff. But, again, another SEC offer. And it's interesting, too. You know, Chad Morris in Arkansas used to come down in Alabama and Arkansas and Louisiana and kind of beat us up a little bit. But that hadn't been the case so far with Sam Pittman. Now, I know it's a little different. They're reestablishing relationships. But for some reason... Chad Morris always seemed to target Joe Moorhead and Mississippi State on a recruiting trail. Now, Joe got him back on the field. I don't know, I don't know what it was about that, but Joe absolutely embarrassed Joe, uh, Chad Morris twice in football games between Mississippi State and Arkansas. I mean, absolute blowouts each time. And Arkansas still would find a way to kind of get in here. And You know, they, they flipped Greg Brooks from us, and I, I really don't think that he's going to be an impact player to Arkansas. Uh, I don't think it's a big loss. Uh, He gave a a touchdown last year against Mississippi State. Um, But be that as it may, you know, State's had some early wins against Arkansas on the recruiting trail. And that's good to see because we don't need Arkansas in Mississippi. We don't need them coming in here signing players. Even though they're a border state, historically they have not signed many kids here from the state of Mississippi. And so getting those wins early, I think, shows Arkansas, you know what, maybe, maybe, maybe go back into Fort Worth. Maybe go back into St. Louis go back into Tulsa. We don't need you over here. And so it's important for State to get those early wins. And this is a couple pretty good pickups early on. Now, go ahead and get prepared because I'm just, okay, I want to make sure I explain this the best way that I can. Just as you've seen no spring practice for your favorite college football team or high school team and no spring evaluation period, for college coaches, you also haven't had the benefit of the Nike camps, the combines, and all that of the spring that we go cover. We haven't had a chance to go to any high school spring practices. So there are going to be some players that pop up late in the process that are going to be great players that won't have had a lot of media coverage by the national networks. Go ahead and get ready for that. I'm going to give you some names today of guys that I think – You need to be mindful of. I think there are some guys out there that aren't getting a lot of love, that hadn't got a lot of offers yet, that ordinarily would have during the spring evaluation period. And so everything for everybody involved, anybody that does any kind of evaluation based on camps, combines, and spring practices is behind the curve. And as a result, you're probably going to see some rankings kind of be all over the place until we get into football season and get some senior film. So be mindful that we're going to do our very best, but there's going to be some guys that pop up that, you know, we might have learned about ordinarily because, you know, back in April they may have said, hey, uh, Mississippi State came by my practice today and offered me, and there'd be a new kid, and we would, okay, all of a sudden I'd get in the car and go down there and get a picture, and we'd get an interview, and then we'd go, you know, get some coach comments, that sort of stuff. We're kind of learning on the fly, too, during the spring evaluation period because it's always players that pop up that maybe were role players as juniors that are going to play their way into opportunities as seniors. So here are some names that you need to remember. One of them is a a guy that's had a little bit of attention. It's Ty Cooper from from Louisville. Louisville, pardon me. Ty Cooper, arguably the best defensive end in the state of Mississippi this year. I really like him. Now, he's raw, but, man, he has some real athleticism. Reminds me a little bit of Gary Green. A little bit like Gary, but I think he probably fits the you know the three three five better than Gary fit the four three. You know I think he is a stand up backer probably better in a two two point stance. A little bit like Marky Spencer maybe. So in that same vein, I think Ty Cooper will eventually be a Mississippi State Bulldog. And again, you haven't heard a lot about him, but he is a name to remember. Devin Smith at Biloxi. This is a, if you haven't watched his film, go pull it up, watch it. Now, he is one of those guys that, uh, from what I understand, he thinks, he thinks that he is a defensive tackle. He's not. He's an offensive tackle. But he hasn't embraced that yet. As we get deeper into the process, I suspect he will. He already has a handful of G5 offers as a D lineman. But I think most of those schools probably look at him and say, you know what, this guy could be a three-year starter for us at left tackle. In great length. Great athleticism. He is a guy to watch. And I don't think there's anybody out there that's got a profile set up on him. But he is one of those guys. If you went through spring practices and spring evaluation, you'd see him and he would jump off the field at you. Another name that nobody's talking about, absolutely nobody, and I want to see some accurate measurables on this kid, is Ladarius Nighten from Rosafort. He has some of the best. Linebacker footage I have seen in the state of Mississippi in a couple of years. He is an absolute killer. He is a form tackler. He is great at the port of contact. He takes on blocks and sheds, fits gaps, and makes plays in the backfield. I don't know much about this kid at all, other than the fact that he can play football. He's listed at 6'1-215 in his profile picture that he looks a little squattier than that, but then you turn on the tape and you're like, okay, well, maybe he is a little closer to six foot six one. Want to see some measurables on him, but he is a guy that can really play. He can really, really play. Those are some, you know, some kids that I you know that I look at and I think, you know what, why isn't everybody on these kids? And uh, they will be. And I think the reason they're not is because of the fact that uh, we haven't had the the benefit of a spring evaluation period. one more kid I'll give you out of Biloxi. Elijah Sabatini. Got about 10 offers, 12 offers, whatever. I mean, he's double-digit offers already, mainly G5s and JUCOs, but he is a Power 5 player. He is one of those guys that uh, he would have really benefited from a spring evaluation period, but because there's not, he hadn't got those SEC offers. I think a lot of people wanted him to come to camp and see how well, he ran. But Elijah Sabatini, a safety. I think he could probably bulk up and play strong safety, uh, Big numbers for him. You go watch this film; you'll like him. So, and it's also good to see some kids in the lower part of the state, you know, along the coastline, to begin to kind of have some some success too. You know, we we Mississippi State needs the Mississippi Gulf Coast with its dense population down there. We need prospects more regularly from the Mississippi Gulf Coast. And for some reason, it just doesn't happen. We need to have that year where we have seven, eight, nine kids down there. You know, every so often you'll have one or two. We but we need some. We, we need a great senior class down there in the Gulf Coast, and that really benefits Mississippi State. I mean, it's been a while since we've had somebody from Moss Point. You know, it's been a while since we've had somebody. You know, from Deaverville. You know, we need those schools to, to produce more. You know, on a more regular basis. And listen, Deaverville is a powerhouse. You know, Jaden Wiley did a good job last year down there. But uh, you know, those are programs. You know, with their enrollments, you would think you know, would regularly, and this is not a criticism of those coaching staffs. This has been a problem, you know, for a long time, you know. But uh, there are some great athletes down there, but it hasn't really translated yet to prospect status at a lot of schools. And, again, I think Devin Smith and Biloxi and Elijah Sabatini, I think both of those guys are going to have a chance to play in SEC. I really do. Really, really do. I want to thank our good friends at Campus Bookmark, longtime sponsors of this show. Stand the Man, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie, everybody down there will treat you like family because in their eyes you are family. You wear that maroon and white, you identify with them as a family member. Many of you bought your textbooks there. Now you can outfit your family, your office, your RV, your pet, anything you got with maroon and white fashions. By visiting them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net and by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. That's BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on every order over $50. Any order less than 50 bucks, absolutely incomplete. And if you follow them on social media, you'll see they're tweeting out new products regularly. Mom, Dad, the kids have been good this spring. We really have. We've been great. We've done our best to keep a living room clean and uh, not leave uh, you know, drinks on the coffee table at a coaster. So maybe reward us with a new Mississippi State shirt. So let's get into the top 10 list. Uh, I've had a lot of reactions to Tom Hanks' list. People were saying, Steve, how could you miss this? And why didn't you do this? And, you know, Tom Hanks is one of those guys, because he is an American jewel, that uh, he has been in so many movies, you could make an argument for about 25 movies for the top 10 list. We're going to stick with movies today. Another one of America's greatest actors this generation. And I know this top 10 list is, you know, there could be a lot of people that will disagree because I think he's been in about 50 movies, if not more. It's one of America's finest actors, Denzel Washington. So I have a list together, and I, and I'll be honest with you, I struggled putting this list together because I'm a huge Denzel Washington fan. Like the work he did with Spike Lee, I thought there was a lot of things that he did early in his career that was very very thought provoking. A lot of important movies in Denzel Washington's catalog. A lot of range with Denzel too. You know he could, you know, he can be a, a you know, a transit, uh, you know, subway worker, or he can be a gangster, he can be a police officer, he can be any, any number of things. That's one of the things that I love about, you know, Denzel Washington is the range that he has. So, a couple of honorable mentions. I'll give you right out of the gate, and, and I, I could have made a case to put every one of these in the uh, top ten. All right, so here we go. Honorable mentions for Philadelphia, Hurricane, and the Pelican Brief. These are all very serious roles. You know, Denzel Washington not really a comedy actor. But, uh, yeah, Philadelphia is one where he teamed up with Tom Hanks. And a uh, very uncomfortable movie, especially for that time. And a uh, very highly acclaimed movie. If you've not seen Philadelphia, he is uh, Tom Hanks lawyer. It's an HIV situation and uh, a discrimination case. Really, really, at a time when there wasn't a lot of tolerance in our country. And uh, I'm not going to get very political with you, but this was a, a movie that made a lot of people uncomfortable. And I thought it was a very important movie for its time. Hurricane, uh, that's where Denzel's a, a boxer and wrongly accused. And, uh, you know, again, he plays, he's one of those kind of people that uh, his genuine strength comes through really in every role. This is one of them I really thought. A lot of people, maybe not highly acclaimed, compared to some of the movies in his catalog, but certainly a great one. And Pelican Brief, of course, that's the giant Griffin thriller, uh, starred with Julia Roberts. Great film. Everybody that's read the brief is dead. That sort of stuff. Okay. Number 10 on my list, another movie that made a lot of people uncomfortable, but I thought the acting in this was phenomenal. There is a Jeff out there on, uh, on social media that people use regularly from this movie. And that's Malcolm X. Uh, Don't know that I agree with the politics, but I thought that the portrayal of Malcolm X was very, very important. I thought Denzel Washington was tremendous in this movie. If you haven't watched it, you should. Number nine on the list, based on a true story, and that's another thing with Denzel Washington. A lot of movies that he has, he plays real people. It's not always just some Hollywood homogenized version of the truth, but American gangster. I have watched that probably 20 times. Every time that it's on, I watch it. He's so cool, so calm, so collected, very believable. It's great. Number eight, kind of a contrast in roles, out of time. This is when he's a Florida sheriff and uh, fooling around with a married woman, and then they're trying to frame him for a murder and that sort of stuff. And uh, he has to try to find a way to to prove his innocence. And uh, very... Nerve-wracking movie. It seems like that he's in trouble the whole movie. It's not one that you can just kind of sit back and relax. It's one of those things you're kind of always on your seat with. Number seven, Crimson Tide. It's a classic. Could have probably put this one much higher up in the list, but uh, I've got some other ones that are, that are more favorites of mine. But um, Sean Connery. Uh, and this this is one of those things, too, that, about Crimson Tide. And this is one of those works of Richard Henrich, you know, and uh, you know, this was the big one for him. This was the big one. You know, he's one of those guys, too, that uh, – you know, wrote a lot of naval stuff. I mean, he's a guy that uh, has done a lot of military stuff, but uh, this was the big one. This is the one that kind of put him over the top uh, in many respects and uh, a guy that wrote a lot of screenplays and that sort of stuff. But uh, Crimson Tide, a classic film, huge, huge cast. Number six for me, this is kind of a hipster pick because I really like the movie itself. That's a taking of Pelham 1, 2, 3, and this is where uh, – Denzel is the hero, but in a, in a much different sense than normal, where uh, you know, this, is, again, is where the, John Travolta and them take over a subway, and um, Denzel Washington you know, finds a way to kind of you know, prevent a huge crisis there. And uh, in the end of the, of the whole thing, they end up kind of becoming friends and friend one another, and, and, uh, and that kind of leads to a solution at the end. Number five, Courage Under Fire. This is when Denzel Washington was uh, was investigating Meg Ryan's death. And, uh, and again, kind of an important film about women in combat and stuff. And uh, one that he received a lot of acclaim for. It's certainly another great cast. And, and a, probably a forgotten film. Probably didn't get in rotation very often on Netflix and things like that. But it's certainly worthy of your attention. One of my favorites, not just in the ne- the top four are among my favorite movies of all time. Not just Denzel Washington movies, but some of my favorite movies. Like if you said, Steve, we're going to watch something you've seen before. What do you want to watch? There's a good chance I would pick one of these at some point in the discussion. Number four for me, He Got Game. Absolutely loved it. Jesus Shuttleworth, of course. We talked about that movie before. We talked about sports movies on here. He Got Game. It's a great one. Uh, Denzel Washington's character... Uh, really kind of a complicated character. You know, a guy that accidentally kills his wife and uh, his children have to kind of raise themselves. And Jesus Shuttlesworth, who was played by Ray Allen, who was defeated by Mississippi State in, in the 1996 NCAA final uh, grade eight, I guess. Um, so, yeah, so he's a sympathetic character, but there's a lot of reasons to not like him too. But uh, very complicated, well-shot movie and uh, very entertaining. Also shows kind of the underbelly of recruiting. Number three, one of the best sports movies, man. Remember the Titans. This is where uh, Denzel Washington portrays Herman Boone, legendary coach Herman Boone. Remember the Titans. It's a story about integration. It's a story about bias and it's a story about the human spirit and triumph and tragedy. When Gary Bertier was, uh, injured and paralyzed in an accident that, uh, brought that community together. And a lot of it, uh, had to do with Herman Boone and, and, uh, you know, I mean, just that entire coaching staff. It's a great story. Number two, and this is one that uh, Denzel Washington won an Academy Award for. And it's Training Day. Love the movie. Love the entire, the plot, everything. It's so well shot. It's so well cast. The writing is incredible. It ends, uh, you know, about how you would expect. I thought Denzel Washington showed a side of himself that he hadn't shown in other films. I absolutely love Training Day. But my favorite Denzel Washington movie, and there are a bunch of them, but I have seen this one probably 25 times. Every time that it's on HBO, I watch it again. Matter of fact, sometimes I DVR it, and then I'll watch it three or four times, like in a couple of weeks, and then I'll tire of it, and then I'll, then I'll miss it when it's gone. That's Man on Fire. If you've never seen it, you absolutely should. Man on Fire is uh, Denzel Washington is uh, is a recovering alcoholic, or excuse me, a struggling alcoholic, and uh, gets a job basically as a personal security agent for uh, Mark Anthony's daughter in Mexico. And there's a kidnapping, and then there's Denzel Washington getting the child back. It is an incredible film. It is one of those emotional f- films. The all The whole way through... It holds your interest and in many respects kind of breaks your heart because there's so many people in there that are so tragically flawed in the movie. Uh, I think when you get to the end of it, there's really, there's really only one person you look at and say, you know what, I would like to know this person. But that's a top ten list. You may disagree. I absolutely love those films. I believe you will as well. Let's get into some other things about us, and I talked about this at the top of the show, about the resumption of regular life. I went out earlier and uh, went and got a uh, sandwich and uh, had to wait outside because they would only allow five people in the restaurant at a time. Four of the five had on a mask. One person didn't. All the employees had on a mask and gloves other than the person running the register. And I don't understand that, but, but be that as it may, uh, I'm, I'm not going to call the manager or anything or call the corporate office, but I think it's interesting. And So many people are like, you know what, I I am concerned about my health and your health and our community's health. So while it is a bit of an inconvenience, I'm going to do this because that's what they're asking us to do. There are other people out there saying, you know, I'm not going to do it. And that's perfect. You're right. Whatever. But um, I'm looking forward to us having a chance to have a sense of normalcy sooner rather than later. There has been some big news in recent days about Major League Baseball. The first thing that I want to tell you about MLB is the the, the draft. There, and there's always, one thing that I've learned is there are a lot of people that think they know more than we do, no matter what we report, no matter who we talk to. I mean, it's it's interesting. I had in probably an hour-long conversation with Chris Lamont about it. Okay, Chris, what do you think is going to happen with the draft and that sort of stuff? And then I go share some of that, and then people say, oh, well, that's not what we're hearing. Well, okay, whatever, you know. So, I trust the people that are involved in the process a lot more than I do, you know, somebody whose friend knows somebody and, and went to school with somebody that had a friend. Um, but the Major League Baseball, the league proposed a 10 round draft, and the Players Association has rejected that not because they disagree with the rounds, they disagree with how the compensation will run. And so, for the first five rounds, it's going to be as it was initially projected, and then it would be a reduction in the players drafted 6 through 10. So they are still negotiating that. I think the significant part of that is that the Major League Baseball, as an organization, as the league says, hey, we're going to have a 10-round draft. Now, they're only obligated in their mandate to have a 5-round draft, and there are some people that think it will be either 5 or 10, 5 being the minimum, 10 being the maximum. But that is something that's still being organized. now that impacts mississippi state is because I, I honestly i don't think you have more than 2 to 3 guys go in the first 5 rounds from the mississippi state roster maybe 4 cuz i think jt ginn is going to end up you know on the back end of that first round maybe i'm wrong but that's that's kind of what i'm hearing that jt ginn is will probably be drafted high enough to go And so that would put you J.T. Ginn, Justin Foscue, Jordan Westberg. I mean, you have the potential to have three first-round draft picks this year in Mississippi State. Not to mention you got some uh, Austin Hendrick and those guys, too, that are out there, too, that uh, Blaze Jordan. Some other guys are going to fetch a pretty penny if they get drafted high enough. And then we'll see what happens with guys like Tanner Allen. So we'll see how things kind of progress from there. But uh, also of note with Major League Baseball, is they're talking about resuming play next month. That's right, next month. Towards the end of June, there is talk about Major League Baseball having an opening day and playing about a 100-game schedule. Not a lot of fans initially, probably no fans initially, and then we'll see how it goes. This country needs sports. We need baseball. That's one of the things that uh, this country is built on. As uh, uniting for a common cause and cheering for our sports teams, so baseball, I think, in many respects, will kind of be the first guinea pig of sorts to kind of work through this thing, and because they will have a chance to kind of see how their athletes respond and see what what happens if somebody gets sick. I mean, of course, if we have you know widespread outbreaks with Major League Baseball, you can kind of go ahead and put a fork in fall sports until until we get some sort of vaccine. But if they go out there and all of a sudden everybody's fine, well, then that gives everybody all the coverage and confidence they need to go ahead and, and start pushing ahead for fall sports to begin on time or close to it. College baseball's done. We're not going to resume that. We're not going to have a playoff or anything like that or put together a tournament, that's that's going to happen. But Major League Baseball is going to move forward. The UFC has got some events that they're trying to push forward. The WWE. So we're going to have some sports events this summer, and we're going to figure some things out, and then we're going to get ready to go play football. Now, I don't know if you've paid attention to this, but there have probably been about 25 to 30 major universities that have announced that they plan to return to in-classroom instruction this fall. Mississippi State has not made a decision public. They have, through Sid Salter, have released a statement saying that they are they're examining that. university president from Alabama came out yesterday on a Birmingham TV station and said that Alabama will be playing football this fall with fans in the stands. That might be a little bit optimistic, but when you read what Greg Sankey has had to say, you know, Greg Sankey's making it seem like, you know what, as a conference we can kind of do what we want to do. And here's the deal about that, because I suspect that you'll probably have some G5 conferences that say, you know what, we can't afford to fill the football team without fans. We can't afford to do this without ticket revenue. might be a little different for the SEC. Because of the money that's available. But if the SEC is going to play, you got to know the Big 12 is going to play. If the Big 12 is going to play, then you got to think, okay, the Big 10's probably got to get in there. So I suspect that the Power Five's all going to play. Now, when does all this kind of come into be? Some people are saying October 1st. Maybe we push the season back a month to give everybody a chance to get acclimated. I don't know that that's required. Ross Bjork, friend of the show, from AM said earlier this week that they're, you know, they're, they're, at this point, they're planning to start on time. And so there's more and more of this chatter from people that are involved in the decision making process that gives you a lot of optimism about fall sports. Now, I have said from the beginning that I expect to play football. And that's not because I know anything. And that's not because I've talked to people that are involved in those discussions. It's because it what makes sense. It makes sense that we're going to have football. So we're going to play football. And we might have a reduction in, in attendance, but we're going to play football. And there are a lot of people out there they are going to say, well, you know, there's this and there's that. And, there's again, there's all these excuses, but we're going to play football. If you're welcome to stay home, you don't even have to watch it. You can get back on Netflix and watch, uh, you know, Stranger Things again. But we're going to play football. And there are a lot of people out there, there's almost a psychosis of sorts. Some people are, they're almost addicted to the misery of this quarantine that they can't look beyond right now. They can't look beyond and say, you know what, we're going to get back to doing this and we're going to have school again and we're going to do all these other things and we're going to go back and we're going to have some opportunities to enjoy life again. And so it's like they have, so it's like, let's project the worst thing possible. So when it doesn't happen, we have the euphoria of the relief that it wasn't as bad as we expected it to be, but there are a lot of people. You, you, you don't think if the if Alabama wants to play football, if Nick Saban wants to play football, if Greg Sankey wants to play football, we're playing football. We're going to play football. Go ahead and get ready. And I've read other people said, "Well, you know, we got to do this." There are a lot of people smarter than you and I. They're going to figure all this out. And again, I, I'm a firm believer in personal accountability. If you don't feel safe going to the game, then don't go. But just because you don't feel safe is not a reason that other people shouldn't go. You are responsible for yourself. And then the people, oh, they're just all a bunch of idiots. Well, let them be idiots. Just like we talked about the mask earlier. There are some people that don't want to wear the mask. That's fine. That's your right to do that. I'm going to protect myself when I'm in public places. I hate wearing that thing, but I'll tell you, and I don't go out very often, but when I do, I feel that I've got an obligation to look after my, my family. People say, well, you know, Steve, it probably doesn't run, reduce your risk very much. If it, if, it, if it reduces it at all, it is worth it to me because I want to live a long time. Wasn't always the case, but I got four kids and I got a grandkid on the way. I want to see my family flourish. I want to see what happens to this family tree of mine. And so I'm going to take the steps necessary to protect myself. But you better believe I'm going to be on the sidelines in Mississippi State tease it up and kicks it off to play football. I might have a mask on. I might not. But I'm going to be there. And there will be a lot of other people that will be there. We'll see what happens over the course of the next few weeks. But I believe this is a day of celebration. I think we look at this and say, okay, they're already saying that the summer months, that we should see a dramatic reduction in these cases and again I'm I'm not you know a scientist or an expert by any stretch of the imagination but just because you see there's a lot of new cases doesn't mean a lot of those people are sick or a lot of those people are really sick or those people are going to die you know people die every day and I'm not trying to make light of this because I've had some people that I know and love that have had to deal with this but the point that I'm saying is that there are people that are going to get sick and are going to recover There are some people that are going to test positive, and they're going to have cold symptoms for a day or two, and they're going to be okay. And there are going to be some other people out there that are somewhat compromised that are going to have to deal with a much more difficult circumstance. But we have to move forward as a country and as a society. We can't just sit around waiting for something to happen. we got to go make it happen. And I have a lot of faith in our medical community... They will get this thing behind us, and I think we're going to look back at this, and we're going to have a new appreciation for our uh, medical community. They're the real heroes in all this, and our scientists that are working uh, to find a vaccine and to find treatment. Those people have always kind of done their grunt work behind the scenes without a lot of praise. They certainly deserve it, and maybe, if anything else, that is the lesson learned from all of this is that they are the true heroes. I want to thank you so much for your support of The Boneyard. If you hadn't done so, go to starkvillainsthebook.com. You can order Flim Flam and Stark Villains. And uh, the newest book will be out, guys, in about four months. How does that sound? In about four months. we'll get. Re- I'm going to be done writing it this month. And then we're going to go finish the editing process, and uh, we'll push it off to print, and then we'll have it out here. We'll, we'll probably have a book for you before we have football. And I'll say yesterday I, I finished up the Mitch Moreland chapter. And I got absolute chills hearing him talk about being a Major League Baseball player on the road and hearing some fan holler out, hell state. He says, man, I try to give him a point or a tip of the cap, and you could hear what it meant to Mitch. And that's the thing, too, is I, I can capture the words and I can put it on the paper, but it's difficult sometimes to capture that emotion. It's almost like I'm basically dictating his love letter to all of you of what Mississippi State means to him, a guy that grew up in Amory, Mississippi and came to Mississippi State as an All-American and was one of the greatest players on that 2017 that went to Omaha. They was picked last in the West and found their way to Omaha. But those are the things that bring me a lot of joy, and I can't wait for you guys to get this book in your hands. And, again, I'm very committed to this thing. I've, I've learned how to write them now, right? This is my third one. I've kind of figured out the plan, kind of got a good process. I'm running through this thing. And I absolutely love it, man. I do. I love being able to deliver these stories for you because I know what it means to me. And I know what it means to them. And we all share a common love, and that's Mississippi State Sports. And uh, this is one of those things that I feel like that I was born to do. And so I look forward to sharing that with you again at StarkvilleWinsTheBook.com. If you order from there, you can get an autographed or personalized copy, whichever you prefer, or both. As a matter of fact, I signed some today. Uh, my agent dropped by. We're selling books pretty much every day. And uh, I, 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 can't, I won't give you the name because I, it may have been a gift from somebody else. But, uh, you know, I had to personalize a couple of copies of Flam Flam and Stark Billings today. And once a week, I go by and sign about a case, just sign the books. And, and then a week later, you guys have bought them and they're gone. And you can also order your shirts at StarkBillings.com. Get your shirts and hoodies. You're going to need those sooner rather than later. Well, folks, that's going to do it for this. We'll be back on Monday. And until we're going to talk about, we'll have another top 10 list and hopefully some updates and some great Mississippi State recruiting. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we we'll make more friends and enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live.